With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A new era tentatively begins at Manchester United. Such is the frenetic nature of English football's December schedule that new interim manager Ralph Ranić announced on Monday morning will hardly have time, if any, to work on the training ground with his new players before we take on Arsenal on Thursday at Old Trafford. Whether he'll actually be in the dugout or not is yet to be seen. The awarding of a work permit holding things up slightly. If not, Michael Carrick will continue in his caretaker role after overseeing a victory and a draw in a difficult week for the club. Three points in Spain, thanks to goals from Cristiano Ronaldo and Jadon Sancho, take United through into the Champions League knockout rounds and as group winners with a game to spare as well. A draw at Stamford Bridge is a decent result in any season and even more so in this situation. And Carrick has certainly steadied the ship, but it is time for a new manager, time to welcome a new face to Old Trafford. As the evenings grow darker and snow falls around us, the fixtures rack up and Ralph Ranić is hopefully here to bring some Christmas cheer. Welcome to Manchester, Ralph, and welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. To all of you listening, I hope you're well and having a good week wherever you are. I'm Harry Robinson and with me, as always, is Jack Tate. And we'll start by talking about the new United boss, looking ahead to his time in charge. And then we'll reflect on Carrick's two games in charge, how they went and the players that impressed and at the end of the show we'll preview Thursday night's game with Arsenal and Sunday's match against Crystal Palace Jack uh, it, it's been a strange week I keep expecting to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer pop up on the TV after our games and instead Michael Carrick comes but I think that's just a matter of time before we get used to that but it, it certainly has been a, a steadying of the ship and now we're recording a few hours after Ranić's been officially announced as United's interim manager until the end of the season and then going into a two-year consultancy role are you excited? Yeah, I am excited. I think given where we were this time last week, I think we've it's probably been pretty much the best case scenario. I think two good results, a win away at Villarreal, a draw at Chelsea, and I think in Ranić, a very sensible, smart and relatively forward-thinking appointment. It's, it's, it's normally never fun having an interim manager because it it feels effectively like wasted time. You know, I know the last time United appointed an interim, we ended up hiring him permanently in Solskjaer. But normally, you know, you sort of, 
sort of potter on for the rest of the season and it's not actually meaningful for what's going to happen next because eventually at the end of the season you have a new coach come in and they sort of restart this whole process but in the way that we've done things with Ranjit coming in we get you know two of the best of both worlds a very good coach to to hopefully salvage something from this season that hasn't started well and you also get someone that will hopefully take over in this sort of consultancy director of football type role. Uh, he'll now have time to learn about the squad before plotting that long-term path forward. That doesn't mean, obviously, this is United. It doesn't mean it's going to work out because this is still just one decision. And, you know, this doesn't invalidate all of the terrible decisions we've seen this club make for the last decade. It also says a lot about the timing that we've done this in, that there really is still no clear planning at United when we've hired a manager, when we have, you know, five games, six games in two weeks, as we yeah. do at the moment. But, you know, this is, I think, as sensible and as long-term an appointment as I think it was possible to make at the moment. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with United, even just in the short term this season. Yeah, you talk about, it's almost as if we've fallen into the right decision by accident, which is... Yeah, Strangely exactly. enough, I was having a drink uh, in Valencia on Monday night before the Villarreal game. And I was with a slightly kind of a very mixed collection of United fans from all over, uh, from all over England, but also Europe. Um, and it was great because you've got so many different op- opinions about what should happen and who should who the next manager should be. And I, I said to one who knew a lot about German football, I said, I, I wanted to know more about Ranić, And I said, well, I hope that we kind of accidentally fall into appointing him uh, and we we panic ourselves into appointing him. And I don't know whether that's actually happened. I think we have panicked a bit. We delayed sacking Solskjaer for so long because I think we didn't know what to do. And then we sacked him and somehow we still didn't know what to do after many weeks of being able to prepare for it. Uh, but it seems as if this is a, a decision perhaps given to the new technical director team of director of football, John Murta and technical director, Darren Fletcher. Murta, who visited Ranić in 2019 for a long session with him and what apparently Ranić felt was kind of a job interview that never became an official job interview. Um, and two years on, here he is as Manchester United manager. So I don't think it, it, it's as if we've fallen it, into it completely by accident. But yes, as you said at the very start, the best appointment in the circumstances, I think. And also, as you said, it it absolutely could go wrong. This is no guarantee of success. The players might not buy into it. The directors might not buy into it, which is a lot of people's concern. Or Ralph Randick might not be able to surmount the mountainous task at hand, but there is lots to be very hopeful about. He's uh, very experienced. And as you say, it's it's exciting when interim managers aren't always exciting. And what's very, very obvious is United are desperately hoping they've just pulled off a Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's pretty much where it leaves us. I mean, I don't think Ranić as a as a person was, you know, something that we completely just fell into. There's been reports that we've wanted him in the club in various capacities numerous times over the last few years. And those reports have always been that he wanted to come in and be this sort of director of football with you know, pretty much full autonomy over transfers and sort of the, the planning and vision of the club and that we weren't willing to give that to him. So I don't think Ranić himself was... Um, something that we sort of backed into, but I definitely think it was in terms of this situation and this timing, because if this was really a plan, I think we all knew far before the Watford game that Solskjaer probably wasn't going to make it to the end of the season, barring something 
you know, miraculous. And so if this was actually something that was really in the works and being planned out properly, you would have sacked Solskjaer just before the international break, given Ranić time to come in, get his work visa sorted out and actually have time with the squad. Yeah. So in, in the sense that, you know, the timing of it and how it's ended up coming to fruition, we've definitely backed into it and I think got quite lucky that it's worked out. But, you know, I think it's it's really, I, th- I think this this idea of having an interim manager that will then go into a more sort of upstairs uh, role, it makes so much sense. And I actually think it's really good by, by United, good planning, well, maybe not good planning, but good execution, <laughs> I guess, in the yeah. end, that we've sort of ended up in this situation because I think it's sort of the perfect blend of having someone that can come in, give us some stability and hopefully salvage something for the rest of the season. Because, you know, we are, you know, the league, especially in terms of the league title is gone, but we still have a lot to fight for this season. And so hopefully salvage yeah. something from this team, but also gives Ranić time to, you know, learn about, learn about the squad. He gets firsthand knowledge of what we need in the transfer market next summer, about which players exactly, are going to be yeah. taking this club forward, which aren't, you know, you can't get a better experience than what we're going to have. And for a lot of our players, you know, especially the younger players get to work with a highly esteemed coach that will hopefully see them improve a lot over the next seven or eight months. Yeah. Just before I go into the really positive kind of, everything that Radnick can have an influence on. What's still obviously to be seen is not only will he be a success at Manchester United, but quite what exactly his role is after he steps back from being first team manager. Yeah. It's being described as a two-year consultancy, which I presume leaves a lot of room to manoeuvre. Now that could be to manoeuvre in a very good way to make him very, very influential. On the other hand, it could be room to manoeuvre as in kind of shunt him to the side. And I think the club and Ranić will both be aware of that and in some senses both be happy with it and in other senses both be unhappy with it, depending on what happens. Um, so that that's there to be said. That being said, I, I just want to say that because it, it's not like he's going on to become sporting director definitely. John Murta will stay in place as director of football. There is no, yeah. you can't really have two of them. That being said, he could have a different job title, but still be one of the most influential people at the club. Anyway, as you were saying, the potential for good in the appointment is amazing because, I mean, there's a, such a long list of things going off the players, which I think was one of the last things he said is is them learning off Ranić, and that's huge because uh, this isn't to slate our past managers necessarily, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer pulled off multiple, several great tactical kind of surprises on Pep Guardiola or, uh, or, or Paris Saint-Germain or whoever and had a, or even Mauricio Pochettino against Tottenham plenty of times, but he was not kind of, and, and he could be a great improver of players, but more in terms of confidence and small parts to their game. What these players haven't had, and this goes back even further, I think, probably until Van Gaal, which was a very different kind of style of football anyway, but what these players haven't had for a long time is a real kind of uh, a teacher of, of tactical discipline and innovation. And that's what you get with Ralph Randick is these players will, will be tested massively, but they'll learn a huge amount. And that's the thing. Everyone around this will, in the first instance, will be pushed to do their best. If you're a player to make sure that you get in the team at the start or to make sure you get in the team when you've been dropped for all the staff to show that they deserve to be at Manchester United. So there's that benefit, but also just the education. You've got people like John Murta and Darren Fletcher on one level who Ranić can help because he's done that 
for, on a massive scale with Red Bull, uh, with Leipzig and Salzburg and all their other global clubs. However, uh, much of a moral vacuum that might operate in, he, he did a great job from a sporting level. And then for Carrick and McKenna as well, in terms of the coaching, and that will stretch down to the academy as well. The, a, a good structure, better structure with someone at the top would help Nick Cox in the academy and, and a couple of the academy coaches as well. So the the room for education and improvement because of Randick is massive. It just, it, but yeah, it, it's not guaranteed to work, but we'll see. It's exciting. It is exciting. It's, it's exciting as well. I think as much just because it's something completely different to what we've seen at United over the last four or five years. You know, Van Gaal obviously had a very set style of play, which, you know, for all its faults, because it wasn't very exciting, you know, did have a very set structure. But in Mourinho and, and then followed by Solskjaer, we've had two managers covering the best part of five years that really haven't had much in, in the way of sort of a defined way of playing. I think, I wouldn't say United, these United teams have lacked identity, but they've definitely lacked a tactical identity. Yeah. And I think we're definitely going to see that under Ranić. Now, whether it works out is, is obviously remains to be seen because I think there are it definitely is, question marks over... I was just going to say, it's worth pointing out now rather than in a few months' time that this is yet another example of just how ridiculously kind of veering from one side to another the, the top of Manchester United is. When you, you're looking yeah. back at... Even even if you forget the intervening period, you can either look from Solskjaer to Ranić and the, the change is enormous. You could also look between Mourinho and Solskjaer, the change is massive. Mourinho and Ranić, the change is massive. And then you can look between Van Gaal and Mourinho, the change is massive. Van Gaal and Ranić, the change is massive. It's not just... Even Moyes to Van Gaal was massively different as well. Yeah, exactly. It, what's amazing is it's not just um, predecessor to successor that the change is huge. It's every one of them compared against the other one. And that's, I mean, that's genuinely impressive to manage that because there's only so many styles of management in football and we've kind of run through them all now. This is the the one that we hadn't done. Yeah. Uh, but it is the one that alongside the kind of more Spanish side of things, it's the one that's dominated football for the last... 10 years, I guess going back to 2012 Champions League final, maybe you could say it was the start of it with, with Bayern and Dortmund getting to the final there. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was, I was literally thinking this morning as I was sort of preparing for, you know, what we should be talking about in this, uh, this episode that, I mean, Ranić is pretty much the complete antithesis yeah. to, to Solskjaer as a manager, you know, has never, has, has a very, very long track record of being a very, very good, hands-on, very meticulous, methodical coach. Solskjaer didn't really have that. Has no previous connection to Man United. You know, that's not at all part of his credentials. Obviously, that was a huge part of Solskjaer. His team's very much focus on sort of the collective being bigger than the individual. Solskjaer wasn't really about that. You know, you could not get more different. And now, I I guess given how badly things ended under Solskjaer, you could say that's, you know, a good thing. But I think to your point, Harry, it's more just indicative of the lack of planning that this football club has had. This isn't the only time we've seen that. Um, The exciting thing is uh, that we've got a forward thinking manager. And for me, this feels like uh, this is a a manager or someone involved with the sport, at least, even if you're not going to kind of, shoeboxing him into management given he's done different things in the last few years but as someone who has been ahead of the curve in European football for the last 20 years and when was the last time you could say that about Manchester United the early 2000s maybe and that was more kind of off the pitch stuff that was in terms of 
being ahead of the curve commercially and leading the way on that. But in terms of on the pitch, when have we last been ahead of the curve? Yeah, I'd, I'd say for 20 more years. Yeah, it's been yeah a long, long, long time. That's not us. And that's not a slight on Sir Alex Ferguson. He, but his team's that brilliant 2008 team, I don't think you would... I don't think I would argue is is ahead of, was ahead of the curve. If anything, it, it the reason it didn't win more European Cups was because it didn't get there just in time before Barcelona, who were ahead of the curve, managed to become incredible. It's not a slight on that. It's just saying, we, and I'm not saying we are now going to be ahead of the curve. In fact, we're behind the curve. But to have someone who has been ahead of the curve for a long time is nice. Yeah, we might not be ahead of the curve now, but someone who has certainly shown in the past that they are capable of being ahead of the curve at, at some point. And I think more than yeah. more than sort of revolutionising, you know, anything that is going to be successful in football, he's proven in the past that he is a very, very good coach at, you know, developing a style of football that is currently one of the most predominant in world football. I mean, we've said in the past that, you don't need to be this sort of high-pressing, counter-pressing team to be successful. And I stick by that. But there is no doubt that that is yeah. sort of the predominant style of play among the successful teams in Europe at the moment. And I think one of the best ways to compete with that is to counter it. Because if you're playing a completely different style, then you need to be substantially better than those other teams, than the likes of Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, you know, PSG. I mean, PSG don't really play that pressing game now with the current forward line. But, you know, the, that is the style that we're going to be competing against. And I think it's easier to match up with those teams rather than trying to play a completely different style, which I think requires you to be substantially better than them to, to beat them. And, you know, it's it's nice to know that we have a manager that, has proven in the past that he can develop a team to play in this way and do it very successfully. The, I think the bigger question yeah. in terms of the on the pitch stuff, we've talked a lot about, you know, sort of longer term off the pitch. I think the bigger, the yeah. biggest question mark with on the pitch stuff is simply how the players buy in and how the players respond to what he's trying to do. Yeah. Because I think that was a lot of the talk, uh, you know, and, and the, to the start of the season was that we weren't able to be this high pressing team because primarily Ronaldo, but also others sort of wouldn't buy into that. Their egos are too big. And I think, you know, I don't think that is, I don't think that tells the whole story, certainly, but I think it will be interesting to yeah. see how Ranić is able to do, because he has never managed a club with players that have this big profiles. And that will be interesting to see how he manages to get the, the sort of work that he wants out of them. Yeah. And Carrick's going to have a pretty important role going forward um, because I, I assume he's been kept on I was hope so because Ranić I mean he's coming in at a very difficult time where United need results quickly to make anything of this season he's going to need someone who's been here for a while to give that information um, yeah let's talk on the pitch stuff Dave Shevlin and Christopher Anousis ask a similar question basically what what are we looking forward to most what are the changes we, we'd most like to see with the introduction of Ralph Rangnick as manager? Christopher's asked for our top three, so let's do that. Um, and, and this is kind of short-term stuff, considering the amount of training time available. Um, well, I think my first point was be, as I, I, I always feel this way. I, I am going to talk about it now, but I, I just like kind of 
waiting and seeing what happens is brilliant without having to kind of discuss every decision without thinking, how is he going to fit Ronaldo in here? Or is he going to drop Ronaldo? Well, maybe we'll see. Um, We'll just wait. But in terms of what I'm looking forward to is organisation, energy, which comes down to whether the players buy in, as Jack say. I think top of my list isn't so much... So a whole team perspective, but I think one of the biggest ones on my list would be Jaden Sancho. Obviously got, had a very good week getting his first two United goals, but I think yeah. he in particular is someone that I expect to do yeah. very well under Rangnick's management. So that's one. I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking I've, forward. Going off, um, sorry, just about in, going on individual players. Sancho's definitely one, yeah. Mason Greenwood, if we can see him become a bit more tactically disciplined. But also one of the big ones I think will be Harry Maguire, who I think will hit form again in a good system. And and hopefully we'll see him starting to do what he has in spells done very well for United, which is step out and be a big influence in that way, which is kind of what Ranić wants from his centre-backs, what he had at Leipzig, but also elsewhere before. And Maguire has got that ability. And for however bad he's been recently, and, and yes, he has been bad. He's been in bad form. He remains a very good centre-back and I will argue with anyone who denies that all day long. For what we saw from him for a year was fantastic and he can play at that level. Um, and I think we'll start to see that happening again. It also gives him a bit of a chance to have a fresh start mentally if there is a kind of mental block there at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see him start playing well soon. And Fred, I think, yeah. could thrive in the next few months. He's already in good form. Oh, and I think you saw it in the Chelsea game with Fred in particular. I think Carrick already started, especially in the Chelsea game, to try and have a bit more of an intense defensive style. And Fred thrived in that environment. And I think he will thrive yeah. in what Ragnick's trying to do. Apart from the chip. Yeah, apart from the chip, yeah. Um, we can't, <laughs> so you can't have it all with he'd had, Fred. He'd had such a good game. I know. I know. But he played so well, it would have been the most incredible icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, he um, just, but you saw him pick up the ball and you just somehow sort of knew that he wasn't going to pick yeah, the right had, option. Yeah. Um, next... I think next on my list would be, I'm looking forward, almost regardless of how it, of how it actually sort of turns out in terms of the success, I'm just looking forward to seeing a United team have a very clear defensive structure and identity. Even under Mourinho, when we were quite a defensively minded team, we never had an actual sort of clear plan and structure defensively. And, and I'm looking forward to that, to be honest, just being cohesive yeah. unit in defence. And then the other thing... I mean, there's a lot that I could that I could say, but I think the other one is just watching United be exciting again. That's really it. And and I say exciting again, sort of it with a short term lens because we have been exciting under Solskjaer for the most part, yeah. but we really haven't been recently. And I don't think we will see. We we always said on this on the podcast that under Solskjaer we had a tendency to drift through games. There would be periods in every match where. United basically just didn't have any presence in the game. And I, I don't see that happening under Ranjik. Everything that I, I know about and have read about how he sets up to play the game, I don't think there will be any periods like that in United. And I think that will make us exciting to watch because it feels like good things could happen at any moment. Whereas even though we had the players to feel like that under Solskjaer, I didn't feel like the structure that we had lent itself to that feeling all the time. Yeah. It's, it's going to require buy-in from all all sorts from the coaches and the players, of course, but also the fans. If you, if we remember uh, the early days of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, 
and and what was kind of you can't really say Liverpool are heavy metal football anymore because it, it's not the kind of to and and froing that we saw at the start. They they obviously still play in the same style. They're just so good at it that it doesn't really happen that much anymore, except in a couple of games. But I I, I think we'll see a, a reasonably immediate improvement but without, without, we'll see an immediate improvement in terms of being able to tell what United are trying to do. And that's a big thing, as you say. Uh, the execution of it, I think, will go wrong several times. How much we get punished for that, we'll see. Fortunately, we've got a run of, after Arsenal, Palace is still a difficult, there's lots of difficult games in there, but they're not the massive teams. They're not the top six. So how much we get punished for that, we'll see. Um but we are going to be pressing high and we know there's plenty of players who are deficient in that part of their game and who will have to be taught how to do it and it's going to be hard given the run of fixtures. Um, so we could get punished and there will be lots of space in behind and we could get punished there. And if people break through that kind of swarming press on either side of the pitch, then they're going to be in lots of space and we could get punished. So there might be some bad results. So it's, it's going to require some buy-in from the fans as well. Um, but I think, I, I guess probably the top one is, is yeah, being able to know how United are going to play every time. And, and, and one other I'd say is kind of the squad completely opening up again, the kind of everyone suddenly being on an, on a level playing field. Yeah. I, I listen, I think, I think the next few weeks might be tough for United because as we've said already, he has almost no time with the players with the work permit complications, he, he may not even be in the dugout for Arsenal on Thursday. You know, then we play Palace at the weekend and games are going to come thick and fast throughout December, as we all know. So I, I don't think it's going to be plain sailing. I don't think this is going to be, you know, Ranjit coming in and immediately sorting everything out. And you're right that it will take buy-in from fans. And I think, and I hope, what will help create some of that buy-in is that even if that, even if the execution isn't there, I think we will at least start to see the signs of a, a, a coherent system being built at United. And I think I think that will be enough to satisfy United fans, even if the results aren't incredible. I'm not saying we'll accept, you know, losing every game, but I don't think that will happen. But I think if we start to see the, the shoots and some signs that, you know, we are sort of building something, I think that will be enough to kind of satisfy the fans and, you know, deal yeah. with a few bad results that I think will happen. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be something that, that you know, is created overnight. And I think we're, you're right as well about the players and sort of working on a clean slate. You know, players that have fallen out of favour will start, I think, to see some more chances and players that have been nailed on starters might start to see see their minutes, you know, eaten into. I think one player that sticks out to me is someone that might struggle under Ranić is, is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Yeah. I think we saw it in the Chelsea game where when we got pressed high up the pitch, it was, it was very, very difficult for us to play out when the ball went out to that right-hand side. As brilliant as a one-on-one defender as Wan Bissaka is, even in the defensive side of his game, his positioning and awareness, which is very, very important in any sort of high-pressing system, isn't his strength. So I think he might be one that suffers, but then you've got players like Donny van der Beek, maybe Jesse Lingard, that I think might really thrive in this system. And, and you know, like you mentioned Fred as well, you know, I think there are opportunities now for players to sort of regain a footing. And it it's exciting that it's something of a new era. It's something to you know, for us to get excited about. And it's just, as much as we're saying that how different it is, is indicative of bad planning. And it is, 
it is also quite exciting as a fan when you've come off a stretch that was as painful yeah. as the last couple of months have been to then know you're going to something completely different. It is quite exciting. Yeah. It's strange as a fan because having had such a strong connection to the previous manager, we're going to someone we have absolutely no connection with whatsoever, um, which is just strange. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just odd. Um, Very quick one before we very briefly talk about Carrick's two games in charge. Um, Dave also asks, do you think there'll be a formation or system change under the new manager? What does he most commonly play with? Um, I think when he first started, when he was making his name in Germany, it was, uh, what was it? The four, let me get the numbers in the right order. I kind of need to see them written out. (laughs) Um, Four, was it the four, one, two, three? Defence midfielder, two. I think it might have been. It's going to be a a four at the back with some kind of flexible. You could, I mean, the, the problem with these is, you could start, you could line them up in a 4-3-3. You could line them up in a 4-2-3-1. You could line them up in a 4-1-2-3. There's all sorts you could do. You could have split strikers with a kind of false nine behind as we kind of saw against Chelsea under Carrick. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to come in and just plant a formation on United. I think he'll adjust it to what we're seeing. Uh, but we should see centre-backs stepping out a bit more. A uh, considerable amount of kind of organised pressures, which kind of focus on swarming uh, the opposition in kind of pinning them in on one side of the pitch and winning the ball back there. And the key to his game is winning the ball back eight seconds after losing it or within the eight seconds after losing it. He says that's the best time to win it back and shooting, I think, within 10 seconds of getting it. So heavy metal football, win it back quick, shoot quickly and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think 4-3-3 will probably be sort of the default that Ranić uses eventually. Whether he starts with that, we'll see. But kind of as, as I think you would sort of get into Harry with the sort of 4-1-2-3, the, yeah. there's a lot of variation that can be had from sort of a base of some kind of 4-3-3, whether that's, you know, having one midfielder slightly deeper than the rest, whether it's having one pushed slightly forward than the other two, whether it's the wingers being quite narrow, whether it's pulling them wide. You know, there's a lot of variation from that. And I think I think we'll also see... United being relatively fluid in, in attack. And I don't think the forwards will be asked to, you know, stay particularly, you know, in, in one specific position. But I think as soon as the ball is lost, you'll see United have a very specific structure of whoever's in, in those positions. And it's something that we've been crying out for for a while. So I, I would expect us to start, maybe stick with a 4-2-3-1 for the first couple of games with him in charge. But I think eventually... It will be a 4-3-3 on the team sheet and we'll probably start off games with that. But I think there'll be a lot of flexibility in sort of how exactly that plays out on the pitch. Yeah. Just before we review the Chelsea game and Villarreal very quickly, I guess the big questions coming up this week that the media will focus on is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, That will be the key one people talk about. But there's actually a couple of others, which is... Uh, Bruno Fernandes in this Radnit setup is there going to be a number 10 or is Fernandes going to have to convert into kind of a hard working more disciplined uh, wide forward the, one of the other big ones is David De Gea is in great form but is he the goalkeeper that Ralph Radnick wants and Dean Henderson is still waiting there and it's 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 not out of the realms of possibility that he could come in and immediately change the goalkeeper it would be a big call but not necessarily the wrong one, not necessarily the right one either, but if he wants a different style of keeper, he's got one waiting there for him. So I think that's one that people won't think about unless it happens. Um, or we might see 
in a few weeks, but it's an interesting one to think. That being said, De Gea was fantastic against Chelsea again. Yeah. So um it would be a, it would be a hard decision to make. It's a bit it's a bit odd with the goalkeeping because I think Henderson Henderson suits that I think the style of actual goalkeeping that Ranyu would want in that he's way more aggressive coming out off his line, which I think will help because I think we're going to probably play a pretty high line under Ranyuk and I think he'll want that keeper that's more willing to come out and sort of mop up danger. The flip side though is that Henderson is significantly worse with the ball at his feet than De Gea. Not that De Gea is, yeah. is brilliant as, as a goalkeeper, you know, compared to the likes of Allison and Edison. But Henderson is a significant downgrade on De Gea with the ball at his feet. And I think there'll also be an emphasis on playing out from the back. So it's sort of, it will be interesting to see what, which of those is sort of prioritised. Yeah. There's lots more questions to be asked and answered, but we'll have to leave it there for now. Very quickly, Villarreal, I thought was an average performance with a couple of decent moments, but they could have scored a few. Chelsea was fine for the circumstances and it actually, in the circumstances, actually a great result against the very much informed dominant European champions. But on the day, as I, I tell you what I was most pleased is that Carrick and the players all came out afterwards and spoke about their disappointment at not winning. And given the situation we're in, I was very pleased to see that mentality persist. Some positive signs in both games, in, in individual performances particularly, but also in terms of work rate and aggression and, and team understanding. Uh, and that there was certainly some organisation to that United team. We probably didn't attack enough or effectively enough in both games, but in terms of the defensive structure, it was relatively solid. Chelsea probably deserved to win, but in the end, they didn't take their chances well enough and we took our kind of one or two chances very well and we had some moments of really good defending. Yeah, I thought Villarreal was... Um, it was a performance that will get forgotten very quickly because of the result, but it wasn't a good performance. It it was very similar to everything we'd seen under Solskjaer, quite frankly, where United were you know, dominated for a lot of the game, couldn't create any sustained momentum and attack, couldn't keep the ball very well. But we sort of hung in there, got a bit lucky, De Gea made some great saves and, you know, took our chances when they came, which, you know, away in Europe is is sort of what you have to do. But I didn't think the performance was much to write home about at all. Chelsea, I thought was much better, especially the first five five to like seven minutes against Chelsea were, were very bad and we could easily have been one nil down. But after that, I thought we settled down defensively Chelsea created a you know really that one big chance with Rudiger right at the end there's another one from Werner that Wan-Bissaka got a good block on but apart from that they had a lot of the ball without really creating anything Yeah, I thought we did really really well defensively we stopped Chelsea's wing backs from getting at us too much which the first five or so minutes like I said were it was worrying signs in that regard but we we fixed it up and I, yeah, I thought I, I was very happy with the performance at Chelsea in a game that could easily have gone, you know, really bad. And like you said, Harry, the, the the comments after the game were really heartening to see that despite a result that I think pretty much everyone would see as very positive, you know, the focus was on not holding on and not getting the three points rather than, you know, we did so great to to get a point at Chelsea. So look, I think this week, as we said, has gone both on and off the pitch, I think about as well as we as we could have hoped. And yeah. the Chelsea game was really important, I think, just to not lose momentum that we'd built in the Villarreal game. It would have been very easy to go there. You know, you get beaten two or three nil when you sort of back to square one. So even though we didn't get the three points, I think that's an important result to sort of keep this little bit of momentum that we've got going. Yeah. And I think we'll look back on it as better than it was. For now, it doesn't seem that good. But for kind of 
for a couple of other reasons as well. Firstly, Ronaldo being dropped to the bench has happened before Rannick takes over as manager, which won't remove kind of headlines when it next happens, which it will happen at some point, but does take away their impact a bit because it's happened under a different manager before and United drew against a very good team. Uh, also, Tellez getting to play, by getting to play important, even though they probably won't be first choice. At least they got to play in a bit more up to speed. And the three midfielders all having really brilliant games going into a new managerial period is is very positive, as well as Jaden Sancho scoring again, getting that confidence. Rashford didn't play well until kind of 15 minutes before he was subbed off and then was playing really well and completely had Trevor Chalobah on toast. Um, yeah. So lots of... Funniest po- thing of the week, by the way, is probably um, Rashford for Sancho's goal being offside the entire time yeah. Sancho was running through on goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good week overall. And so Arsenal next to are in decent form. They've lost only one of their last 12 games. That being said, a lot of their wins have come against teams who are struggling this season or who were struggling at the time. Their defence looks a lot better than last season. Ramsdale's looking good. Ben White's looking good. Gabriel's looking good. Mm -hmm. Lots of clean sheets and obviously some threat in attack in Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka. On the other hand... I think think this is a really important game. Well, it it is because currently we're five points off Arsenal. We win, we're two points off. And then we're kind of in a very solid place to then go up climbing the table back to where we should be. If we lose and we're eight points off, suddenly that's a huge task even just to get back level with Arsenal, let alone into fourth. Yeah, and Arsenal are very much the kind of team that we we should be beating quite comfortably with the teams that we have on paper. And despite Arsenal's very yeah. good run, they have been very good defensively, but I still don't think going forward they offer that much. They, had, like you said, they have some good talent in Smith Rowe and Saka, but you know if you look at you look at all the stats behind Arsenal's good run, and, and even in attack, their their output has been pretty poor. So I, I think this is a game United have to be winning. I think we have to come out and be positive and not not come out with a similar yeah, game plan yeah. like we did against Chelsea. I think against Arsenal, that isn't the way to go. Needs to be much more on the front front foot, trying to take control of the game. Arsenal's midfield, I think, can be Definitely, can yeah. be got at. The defense is obviously much better, but you know we have the players to to beat anyone. But I think this is like you said, it's a, it's a crucial game, crucial, crucial game. Because if we slip that far back off the top, I mean, Arsenal are they fifth, fifth or sixth yeah. at the moment? Fifth, I think, fifth, fifth or fourth think, yeah. above West Ham now. You know, if we're slipping eight points off of fifth this early in the season, that's that's a real yeah. real dagger. Yeah. I'm not going to say must win because it's the first game of a new manager's era and I'm not sure you can really have a must win unless you're in a relegation battle in that case. But massively important game for morale as much as anything um, and pride. Uh, but yeah, for, for, for league position, certainly. I think we'll wrap up there. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to, I mean, we don't even know if Ranić going to be here in time for it yet. So it's quite hard to preview. And I, I definitely don't think we can kind of say who we want to start. Yeah. I don't think we can say that for a few weeks yet because I, I, I generally just kind of want to watch and see and comment on what we see. Yes. But not say, not a weekend say, oh, we've seen Ranić's system. Now I think these players should play because he knows a lot more about football than I do. So I'm just going to wait and let him kind of <laughs> implement his style. And then a few weeks in, once I've convinced myself I know more than him, then I can comment. Um, that's not going to happen though. Well, I think it, it will actually, it will be kind of interesting, I think, to see exactly how he does want to set United up. Because despite the fact that we do sort of know 
we know what his uh, what his philosophy is, and you know he's he's obviously made that very clear and very public. But at the same time, it, it's been a little bit since he's been in a particularly high profile job. You know, it's been a couple of years since he was at last at Leipzig, and even that was only for a year while they waited for Julian Nagelsmann to become available. It was 2011 the last time he was in a, a full time job. So yeah. You know, in managerial role, I should say he's been, yeah. you know, obviously working sort of behind behind the scenes at Locomotive Moscow. Don't, I don't think his his overarching philosophy will have changed. Well, but, yeah, you know, the way he implements it specifically at United will be really. Yeah, interesting. I mean, the one we can look to is two seasons with Leipzig, um, which, yeah, you, I mean, you can call him full time because he was the full time manager, but that wasn't his intended role. He stepped in to take it while he was sporting director. So, yeah. But I think we can look at them for for inspiration. But yeah, I just think it's also really interesting because as as much as this United team has incredible players all throughout the squad, Solskjaer, <laughs> there was a reason that it didn't quite work for Solskjaer because it's actually a hard team to make right. You can get certain elements of it right, but there is always, there is, a, there is an imbalance to it. And so it is a difficult team to get really spot on and we'll see whether he can manage it. And even if he doesn't manage it quite perfectly, it will just be fascinating to see how he approaches this. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but we, we need to wrap up and then we're going to go to a bonus Q&A for patrons. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're looking forward to Thursday and Sunday. Um, we'll be back next week. If you want to sign up to be a patron so you can hear these Q&As at the end of uh, every episode, you can do. Go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there for information about how to do that. For more from me throughout the week, you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 You can find Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tate T-A-I-T okay thanks for listening everyone have a great week goodbye Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.